Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and 2022 starts the third year of this podcast and corresponding blog. I go through the Bible chapter by chapter, guiding you, even if you've never read the Bible before. Right now, I'm going through the Old Testament prophets, revealing how Bible prophecies that were written 700 years before Christ predict not just what was going to happen back then, but what happened when Jesus came. They even predict the end times and last days that are coming true right now. I pray that as you hear God's word, it will inspire you to study the Bible daily for yourself. Seek the truth. I pray that God opens your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And as you become rooted in the word, you'll also be rooted in hope, joy, and peace. Hey, new year, new life. Let's dig in. Ezekiel 40 to 42, God reveals his wonderful end time temple. The subject of the final chapters of Ezekiel's prophecies is the kingdom age or the millennium, the thousand years when Satan will be bound and we born again believers will rule with King Jesus here on earth. In these next three chapters, God describes in great detail the fourth temple. Let's dig in. But first, let's do a history of Hebrew worship and the places of worship since the Israelites were brought out of Egypt. So first, while the Israelites were wandering in the desert, they had the tabernacle or tent of meeting, which was mobile. So once they reached the promised land, the tabernacle was located at Shiloh or Shiloh. People, the actual Israelites say Shiloh. Okay, once King David um, brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, it was still housed in a tent, and he wanted to build a beautiful temple, but God told him that he would not build it, his son would. So enter Solomon, who built an opulent temple, and uh, this was the temple that was destroyed by Babylon in 586 B.C. So as we'll see when we get into the book of Nehemiah, which is down the line a bit, a bit, the temple was rebuilt, but it was a shock compared to Solomon's. Obviously, they didn't have the money and the Babylonians had stolen all the temple treasures and the opulent decorations. So um, but in, in the first century, King Herod, wanting to look good for the Jews, enlarged the temple and made it better. Now, this is where Jesus preached, and the one that he said that no stone would be left on top of each other, and that was in Matthew 24, and if you want to read that, um, click on over to my blog. Now, that prophecy was fulfilled in 70 AD when the Romans destroyed the second temple. Now, currently, the Temple Institute in Jerusalem has plans to build a third temple, and this is the one that the Antichrist will desecrate. And at the bottom of my blog, I have a video um, from the Temple Institute that shows, um, a, obviously it's a computer architectural rendering of what this third temple would look like. They have a design, they've got, every, they've got everything that belongs in it. They're just waiting for whatever it is. <laughs> Uh, anyway, and there's another video in the bottom of Amir Safati explaining 
about the third temple and what they're waiting for and all this stuff. So, so, um, uh, it's, it's rather interesting. Now, the fourth temple is the millennial temple that Ezekiel describes in these next three chapters. And they will give you an idea of the size and scope of the temple from where King Jesus will rule and be high priest. Now, if you like architecture and design, you'll get a kick out of this. Um, uh, so, well, let's start. Ezekiel 40, the new temple area. On April 28th, during the 25th year of our captivity, 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. In a vision from God, he took me to the, to the land of Israel and set me down on a very high mountain. From there, I could see toward the south what appeared to be a city. As he brought me nearer, I saw a man whose face shone like bronze standing beside a gateway entrance. Could that be like a pre-incarnate Jesus? He was holding in his hand a linen measuring cord and a measuring rod. He said to me, son of man, watch and listen. Wait, close attention to everything I show you. You have been brought here so I can show you many things. Then you will return to the people of Israel and tell them everything you have seen. Now, this gets into a lot of detail. I mean, um, how many feet and tall and wide, and, you know, and... Um, so I'm going to let you read this on your own, but he goes on and you can click on over to my blog or, or just open up Ezekiel 40. Um, and he goes on to describe the East Gateway, the outer courtyard, the North and South Gateways, gateways to the inner courtyard, rooms for preparing sacrifices, rooms for priests, and the inner courtyard and the temple. And let's go on to 41. After that, the man brought me into the sanctuary of the temple. He measured the walls on either side of its doorway. They were ten and a half feet thick. Okay, catch that. Ten and a half feet thick. The doorway was 17 and a half feet wide, and the walls on each side of it were eight and three-quarter feet long. The sanctuary itself was 70 feet long and 35 feet wide. Then he went beyond the sanctuary to the inner room measured the walls on either side of its entrance, and they were three and a half feet thick. The entrance was 10 feet wide, and the walls on each side of the entrance were 12 and a quarter feet, feet long. The inner room of the sanctuary was 35 feet long and 35 feet wide. This, he told me, is the most holy place. Then he measured the wall of the temple. It was 10 and a half, another one, 10 and a half feet thick. There was four, a row of rooms along the outside wall. Each room was seven feet wide. These, these side rooms were built in three levels, one above each other, with 30 rooms on each level. The supports for these side rooms rested on exterior ledges on the temple wall. They did not extend into the wall. Each level was wider than the one below it, corresponding to the narrowing of the temple wall as it rose higher. A stairway led up from the bottom level through the middle level to the top level. I saw that the temple was built on a terrace, which provided a foundation for the side rooms. This terrace was 10 and a half feet high. The outer wall of the temple side room was eight and three quarter feet thick. This left an open area between these side rooms and a row of rooms along the outer wall of the inner courtyard. This open area was 35 feet wide and it went all the way around the temple. Two doors opened from the side rooms into the terrace yard. 
which was eight and three quarter feet wide. One door faced north and the other south. A large building stood on the west facing the temple courtyard. It was 122 and a half feet wide and 157 and a half feet long. Now, they obviously didn't talk in feet um, back then. They used cubits, but I'm not going to, you know, there was it, um, the uh, New Living Translation, you know, translates it into the measurements that we understand. Uh, the courtyard was around the building, was additional 170 feet high. The inner courtyard to the east of the temple was also 175 feet wide. And the building to the west and its two walls was also 175 feet wide. The sanctuary, the inner room, and the entry room of the temple were all paneled with wood, as were the frames of the recessed windows. The inner walls of the temple were paneled with wood above and below the windows. The space above the door leading into the inner room and its walls inside and out were also paneled. All the walls were decorated with carvings of cherubim, each with two faces. And there was a carving of a palm tree between each of the cherubim. One face, that of a man, looked toward the palm tree on one side, and the other face, that of a young lion, looked toward the palm tree on the other side. The figures were carved all along the inside of the temple, from the floor to the top of the walls, including the outer wall of the sanctuary. There were square columns at the entrance to the sanctuary, and the ones at the entrance of the most holy place were similar. There was an altar made of wood, five and a quarter feet high, three and a half feet across. Its corners, base, and sides were all made of wood. This, the man told me, is the table that stands in the Lord's presence. Both the sanctuary and the most holy place had double doors each with two swinging doors. The doors leading into the sanctuary were decorated with carved cherubim and palm trees, just as on the walls. And there was a wooden foot at the front of the entry room to the temple. On both sides of the entry room were recessed windows decorated with carved palm trees. The side rooms along the outside wall also had roofs. That's Ezekiel 41. And if you want to click on over to my blog, I have pictures, and there's also links uh, to um, to the website freebibleimages.org where they've got artist renderings of what this might look like. So it really helps to visual to you know, visualize what these may uh, you know may look like. Um, okay, so Ezekiel 42 rooms for the priests. Then the man led me out of the temple courtyard by way of the north gateway. We entered the outer courtyard and came to a group of rooms against the north wall of the inner courtyard. This structure, whose entrance opened toward the north, was 175 feet long and 87 and a half feet wide. One block of rooms overlooked the 35-foot width of the inner courtyard. Another block of rooms looked out on the pavement of the outer courtyard. The two blocks were built three levels high and stood across from each other. Between the two blocks of rooms ran a walkway, 17 and a half feet wide. It extended the entire 175 feet of the complex and all the doors faced north. Each of the two upper levels of the rooms was narrower than the one beneath it because the upper levels had to allow space for walkways in front of them. Since there were three levels and they did not have supporting columns, as in the courtyards, each of the upper levels was set back from the level beneath it. There was an outer wall that separated the rooms from the outer courtyard. It was 87 and a half feet long. 
This wall added length to the outer block of rooms, which extended only 87 and a half feet, while the inner block of the rooms toward the temple extended 475 feet. There was an eastern entrance from the outer courtyard to these rooms. On the south side of the temple, there were two blocks of rooms just south of the inner courtyard between the temple and the outer courtyard. These rooms were arranged just like the rooms of the north. There was a walkway between two blocks of rooms, just like the complex in the north side of the temple. This complex of rooms was the same length and width as the other one, and it had the same entrance as the doors. The dimensions of each were identical. So there was an entrance in the wall facing the doors of the inner block rooms and another on the east end of the interior walkway. Then the man told me, these rooms that overlook the temple from the north are and south are holy. Here the priests who offer sacrifices to the Lord will eat the most holy offerings. And because these rooms are holy, they will be used to store the sacred offerings, the grain offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings. When the priests leave the sanctuary, they must not go directly to the outer courtyard. They must first take off their clothes they wore while ministering because these clothes are holy. They must put on other clothes before entering parts of the building complex open to the public. When the man had finished measuring the inside of the temple area, he led me out through the east gateway to measure the entire perimeter. He measured each the, the, measured the east side with his measuring rod, and it was 875 feet long. Then he measured the north side, and it was also 875 feet. The south side was also, as was the west side, so the area was 875 feet on each side with a wall around it to separate what was holy from what was common. Okay, and again, I want to click on over to my blog. I have um, links to renderings of what this all may look like. So here's some key points. So God gave Ezekiel this vision 14 years after the destruction of Solomon's temple. He'd been in exile for 25 years. Notice that there's an increase in holiness as one goes deeper inside, and that's from uh, chapter 40, which you're supposed to read that on your own. Um, it had very thick walls and large areas to separate what was holy from what was common or profane or unholy. It was similar to Solomon, Solomon's temple, but simple in decoration. And if you want to uh, click on over to my blog, and, and I've got links to um, back to was it uh, first kings where solomon um builds the temple and it has inscriptions and those those blogs have uh pictures of solomon's temple um now this was holiness embodied in a structure um an interesting question for the people who have a third temple designed and ready to be built in jerusalem would be which design did they use david's or ezekiel's I tried looking on their website for that answer, but I couldn't find it. So for born-again Christians, our bodies are a temple or sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. Through Christ, we true believers have unrestricted access to worship God whenever and wherever we want. Final temple. In the new heaven and the new earth, we won't need a church or a temple. John wrote in Revelation 21:22, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That's going to be awesome. Question is, is your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? Because only the people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life are going to see this 
final temple. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven after you die, or that you won't be left behind as a rapture, which can happen at any moment, this is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart and receive the gift of grace and confident hope of eternal life. And again, uh, well, if you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, there's a prayer in the show notes. So you can click on over my blog, click what it says, how to invite Jesus into your heart. Um, and again, check out the videos of the Temple Institute. And the other one is Amir Safati um, from Behold Israel. And he's explaining what the third temple is going to be like. But he goes into also, um, you know, Jewish worship and so forth, which is really interesting. It's really, really interesting. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Are you a born-again Christian with Catholic friends or family members? Have you struggled with how to bring up the truth of Jesus' salvation? I had the same problem, so I put together a free ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Our Backyards. It's a guide to help you start the conversation and plant the seed that will get them thinking, am I missing something? Check it out. It's a free download on my website. You'll find the link in the show notes. Oh, please. Let me know if it helped you. If you're a born-again believer helping a Catholic friend or family member start reading the Bible, it's a great idea to give them one. But which version or translation would be a good one for them? There are too many to choose from. As a former Catholic, it helped me to have a Bible translation in plain, everyday English. And I know many evangelical Christians are very much attached to the King James Version. That's fine if that's what you grew up with. Remember, Catholics have grown up with priests and nuns telling them they don't need to read the Bible. All they have to do is trust the church to teach them what they need to know, only they don't, and that's the problem. When I first started going back to church, a well-meaning friend told me to get a King James Version. Well, guess what? I got frustrated with the these and thous and stopped reading it totally defeating the purpose. Eventually, I got the new international version or the NIV, and that was the best for a new Christian to get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. Today, I also study from the New King James Version or NKJV and the New Living Translation, the NLT. I'm now an affiliate of Christian book distributors and I've chosen three study Bibles that would be a great gift for that Catholic or progressive friend whom you'd like to help get into the habit of reading the Bible daily. They are also a great, they're also great for the new Christian believer. Check them out. The link is in the show notes. And by the way, all commissions will be donated to one or more of the Bible translating ministries listed on my site. So give the gift of the word of God and help spread the word while you're at it. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of Scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. 
but know that things aren't falling apart. They are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20 to 22, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory.